first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT. And he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Well, the Indianapolis Colts are a quarter way through the season. Right now, they sit with a 3-1 and record after four games. I wanted to bring on friend of the show from the Indianapolis Star, Jim Aiello. Jim, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, overall, what has your impression been so far of the Colts right now, sitting at 3-1, and looking pretty good right now? What has your overall impression been of this team so far? Yeah, if you look, we talked about this in the beginning of the year. I think everybody kind of did. It was, you know, they had a, an easy half of the schedule the first half of the year, and they needed to take advantage. And so far they are. They're 3-1. and one. They blew a game against Jacksonville um, that, you know, you'd like to have seen them win and, and be 4-0 at this point. But it's hard to complain too much on a three-game winning streak. The defense has been much better than everybody expected. I mean, I, I again, I think everyone expected that DeForest Buckner would come in here and elevate the unit, but I'm not sure – they expected the Colts to lead, you know, every defensive, like, statistic and metric in the NFL at this point, which is what seems like what they're doing. Um, offensively, I think it's a little bit slow. Uh, slow, slow, you know, getting it together. Running game hasn't been what we thought. Philip Rivers has been really efficient, but not a lot of big plays yet. So, I think it's been good overall, though. Three and one, you, you got to be pretty happy with that start. Start. Yeah, you mentioned it. This offense has been a little bit slow so far, and I wanted to kind of get your impression of this offense so far and why you think they, they've struggled so far. Um, looking at the passing attack, the Colts right now, um, they're in the bottom half of the league in terms of passing yards per game, uh, just around 20th with 250 yards per game. Um, you know, they haven't been great overall um, and by any metric. Um, you know, they haven't been great in uh, obviously passing yards, efficiency, third down efficiency, red zone. Uh, they struggled in a lot of different departments. Um, you know, just overall as an offense, the passing game hasn't been great. The rushing attack's been 15th, so just about right in the middle. It's it's had some moments, but it's also had some very bad moments as well. Um, and then overall, as, as a unit, the Colts are 22nd in total yards per game. So, Jim, I'm curious for you, what do you think this Colts offense, why do you think they're struggling? And then what do you think they need to do in order for the, you know, the rest of the season to be a little bit better than the first four games on offense? I'm not so worried about like the total yardage, only because situationally the Colts have been in a position where they don't really need to rack up yardage in the fourth quarter against the Jets, against the Vikings, against the Bears. You know, they've been kind of content to take the air out of the ball. So I think yardage-wise, it's like, okay, well, maybe when they need to gain more, they're in a tighter game, that will come. So that's not as big a deal to me. In the passing game, I've actually been pleasantly surprised. If that's, if that's, you know, I mean, like you said, it hasn't been great, but they've produced a they, entering – Sunday, I think they were eighth in explosive pass plays, and they added a few more, so I'm not sure where they rank now, but they were higher up there. Um, so that was something they really wanted to address going into the season. They seem to have taken care of that with Rivers being willing to throw the ball uh, downfield, and, and as well as the receivers creating some yards after the catch. So that's been, like I said, that's been a positive um, development. Rivers, other than Sunday, where he was, I think, 55 or 56% uh, accuracy had been around you know, in the high 70s most of the season, so that's a good thing to see. And he's doing it a lot, you know, without Paris Campbell, who they expected to be a big part of the offense. Michael Pittman wasn't there on Sunday. He'll be out for a little bit longer. 
So I think they've gotten some good work out of the running backs, out of the tight ends, which everybody gets like kind of especially with Philip Rivers here. That's something he likes to do. I'm not as worried about the passing game. I think that'll come along. Frank's also kind of, you know, in his in his history. If you look back at the way things developed with the um with the with Andrew Luck, even with Scobie Brissett, it was kind of the offense kind of slowly evolved and got better, or at least opened it up a little bit more. Obviously, they took a step back with Brissett after they did open it up, but they tried. Uh, so. In the running game, though, that's where I'm more concerned. I just wrote a story about this, actually. Um, and I just – the running – the offensive line, it just doesn't I, – I think it's pretty – got to say it flatly. They haven't been that good. They have not been that good in the running game by, by metrics, by the eye test. They just don't have – they haven't pushed – haven't dominated the line of scrimmage. I thought Sunday was very evident. Akeem Hicks owned them in many ways. Ryan, he made Ryan Kelly look silly. He threw Mark Galinsky out of the way in the way we've seen uh, DeForest Buckner do a few times. They've had their trouble. Even Quentin Nelson's gotten beat a few times. Got called for a holding penalty. Um, they've, they've been beat up a little bit in the run game in a way that I don't think anybody expected given the amount of you know, money and resource they've put into him. Um, and that's been a little bit concerning. I think missing Marlon Mack has been a huge factor. Honestly, I do. I think Marlon Mack has been underrated as a runner maybe you know, the last couple of years in Indianapolis. He developed a great chemistry with that offensive line, particularly in, in some of the zone blocking things that they do. And I think Jonathan Taylor's got a lot of talent and skill, but it's still coming along. He's missing some holes by his own admission, and, and they haven't been able to capitalize on some big plays. So the run game is where I'm a little bit more concerned right now because I just expected them to be one of the top teams in the NFL, and they're, they're not. They're not. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm curious, you know, kind of going off of your point a little bit, um, you know, with missing Paris Campbell, missing Michael Pittman, and just having a lot of new faces on this offense, how much do you credit that of a, of a lack of preseason and really, you know, a lot of – you know, key things in the offseason that were either, you know, completely cut out or were different. How big a factor do you place on those things, kind of impacting how this offense has struggled uh, early on here? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not ready to say that they didn't have enough preseason. Again, new quarterback, I suppose. He didn't get a chance to develop a ton of chemistry with some of the younger guys. Um, and, again, you're right. You know, you, you, you develop the chemistry with guys like Trey Burton and, and Paris Campbell, and they're not there, you know, they're not there um, after the, you know, for Paris was after one week, Trey didn't show up until Sunday. Um, so that's tough. I will say that. I think injuries definitely play a part, but I'm not willing to go on a lack of preseason, honestly. Like, you look around the rest of the league, there's a lot of teams putting up some pretty great offensive numbers. So, yeah, I, I don't want to give them that excuse. But I will say, you know, injuries take their toll, uh, for sure. I, I think T.Y. Hilton hasn't gotten going yet, and that's that about it. I mean, if you factor in the pass interference, pass interference yards, you know, he got he gained on Sunday. He had a slightly better day, uh, but they really haven't gotten him going either. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not willing to put it on the preseason. I just think they haven't. They really haven't had to throw as much as um, you know ever since that first week one game either. Yeah, that's true. They definitely have have cut back on that a lot more, which is very interesting. Um, okay, let's move over now to this Indianapolis defense. Like this defense so far, um, you know, after that week one kind of. Really surprising loss, quite honestly, um, against the Jacksonville Jaguars where this defense could not get off the field. They could not force incompletions and really could not stop the running game in that first half. Um, this Colts defense has tightened up in a major way. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, this defense about first at every single category that matters. Um, you know, right now they're first against the pass. They're fourth against the run. They're first in total yards um, allowed per game. They're only allowing 56 points so far. Uh, they've had six interceptions. Um, you know, all six of them have come in the last three games alone. Nine sacks. Um, you know, just overall, this defense has looked very, very dominant, especially the last three weeks. I mean, really, if you take away some of those garbage time touchdowns uh, the Vikings had and then the Bears had this last week, 
Uh, this Colts team has had a couple games where they haven't allowed it really an offense to get going or really do anything in the red zone um, or really get into the red zone even. Uh, what is your overall impression, Ben, of this defense so far? Yeah, I, I guess it starts up front, which, again, you know, well, I guess I sound like a coach when I say that. It all starts up front, but that's what they all say, and it's true. I mean, you, you start with DeForest Buckner, who has been – I mean, I don't know if the stats are there right now for him, but he has been so good. And you saw the attention the Bears were giving, him, giving to him during the game. They were pulling the running back away from the edge and bringing him in to double-team DeForest Buckner if they weren't already doing so with their two offensive linemen. And that has freed up, in, in particular, since that freed up, you know, Justin Houston to make a play. But DeForest Buckner has been incredible against the run. And again, I'll sound like a coach. They had to stop the run first. They've bottled up. Um, I guess the Minnesota game is the one that is most impressive in terms of bottling up the running attack, just because of what Dalvin Cook did in the two next games, uh, mm-hmm. just ripping teams apart. And he didn't do anything against the Colts. you got to give a lot of credit to what DeForest Buckner did there. And I, I, I think the most underrated player on this team right now is Grover Stewart. Grover Stewart, I, how many times can you, can you watch a game and the, the play, the, you hear the snap and Grover Stewart's guys push three yards back into the backfield? I mean, he's mm-hmm. not, he may not be getting the tackle or the tackle for the loss, but he, he is, he's redirecting the running back so often that linebackers or Buckner or Houston or somebody is jumping on that guy behind the line of scrimmage and creating a big play for them. So, or a negative play, I should say, for the Colts. So, DeForest Buckner has been fantastic. Uh, especially in the, I'm sorry, yeah, Grover Stewart's been fantastic, especially in the run game. Uh, Buckner's been great in both. And then, yeah, Justin Houston is the other guy, I guess, up front that I, I want to mention before, you know, we I go on to talk about other parts of the defense. But Justin Houston, I've been joking for a while now, it's just like a sack per game. Bank it, count, like you just know that it's coming. And I think he's got at least a half sack in his last six games, so that joke is becoming a reality. Um, it's kind of crazy how often he's getting to the quarterback right now. And he's, you know, he's probably a little bit more efficient than you uh, is, is you know, able to keep up. Uh, he's, I think he's got three and a half sacks in, in like five, with five quarterback uh, knockdowns. So every time he's getting there, he's pretty much making it count. That, that maybe won't continue. Um, but he really, he, what he's doing is he's putting a lot of track. I, I mean, the way he was blowing past Charles Leno on Sunday, he was just really fantastic. Um, so he's still got plenty left in the tank. And that's huge for this team that, that doesn't have Kamoko Ture right now and, and needed somebody off the edge that they could rely on consistently. And, and Justin's been that guy. Um, and that's on the front four. I don't know. I can keep going. I guess we can talk about linebackers and secondary and all that stuff too, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to know about particularly. <laughs> yeah, and, and you mentioned the defensive line. I wanted, I want to get your take on Danico Watry and how he's performed moving, kicking yeah. out to defensive end. I, I've been impressed from what I've seen of Danico Watry so far. What's been your impression of him so far, Jim? 100%. I'm glad you called me out for not mentioning him. He's been great, especially in the first couple games where I think, you know, it was a little bit slow going, maybe for part of the defense like you mentioned in Jacksonville. Danico was really good. He found a way to get pressure. I think it really is impressive that he is able to kick back outside and play defensive end when he was kind of the three technique they relied on. And again, I, people tend to over, overlook, but he had a really, really good 2018 before being, you know, kind of average last year and getting replaced by DeForest Buckner. But this is a guy who, who got replaced. I mean, he, that's, that's, the, that's the only way to really say it. They said, you're not good enough. We need to get somebody else. We're getting DeForest Buckner. We're giving up a first-round pick to replace you. And then – he said, okay, that's fine. I'm going to slide outside and be really effective. And he has been. He's done a really good job, especially on early downs. Again, against the run, um, but also has been, you know, a better, more of a presence in the passing game on the defensive end than I maybe expected him to be. So, again, getting some consistent pressure uh, and contributions from guys without Kamoko Ture on the edge uh, and from Justin Houston, you know, Buckner and all those guys. It's been, it's, I wouldn't say it's been a pleasant surprise, but it's been. <laughs> really solid contributions from the front four, and that's been what's driving this whole defense. 
Yeah, and I would even say, like, you know, as much as this offensive line's been a little bit, little bit of a disappointment so far, I am impressed with this defensive line. I think they've exceeded my expectations. Like you said, we knew they'd be better with the Forrest Buckner, but, like, to this degree, it's just, it's just crazy to see how good they've been. So uh, let's move on to the linebackers then. I mean, these linebackers, you know the top three. Obviously, you got Leonard, you got Okariki, you've got Anthony Walker. Um, seems like Okariki's been out snapping um, Anthony Walker a lot more. Obviously, with Leonard going down during the Chicago game, uh, Walker got more snaps. But what has your overall impression been of these top three linebackers and even some of the key reserve guys so far? So I thought in that first game, one of the things, one of the unwritten things and or unsaid things about that game was that the linebackers I didn't think were great in, in coverage and filling those passing lanes and helping out the defensive backs. Uh, and, and getting into those lanes. And I thought ever since then, they've been really good about it. Uh, Darius Leonard in particular has been really great about it. Um, I, I, it's one of those things that I think the linebackers, it's hard to say anything you haven't heard before. They're really quick. They're really sound tacklers. Anthony Walker does a really good job of getting his, um, his team into place. I mean, he talked to Justin Houston today. And I think he said, you know you can rely on him. But when he says what he's seeing out of the offense, what's coming next, you know he's right. Because that's how much film he watches. That's how smart he is. And so – I know Anthony Walker, you said, Anthony Walker's snaps are getting uh, soaked up a little bit by Bobby Okereke. He's just a, again, he's flatly, he's just a more physically talented player. So that'll happen. Uh, but Walker's contributions have been, have, I they really shouldn't over, overlook those. And I, I think it's important to, to note. Like that said, you know, Darius Leonard is Darius Leonard. He's just everywhere all the time. He's such an effective blitzer. He can cover guys in man coverage. And like I said, he and Okereke, I think, have been better uh, in, in getting in some of those passing lanes. When they drop back into those zones, those Matt Eberflus zones, they've done a good job of taking away some of the underneath stuff, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's stuff that the Colts are usually okay giving up. But right now, they've, they've got their guys challenging in the passing lanes. It's not just the corners who have done a great job uh, challenging passes, but the, the linebackers have done a good job getting hands on balls or, or, or jumping into the lanes. The quarterback's not even throwing them. So that's been, to me, I think we kind of knew how good this unit was against stopping the run. I think that they've taken a step forward in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the corner, so let's just go on to the secondary now. You know, Jim, when I said, you know, initially when I looked at this secondary, I said, oh boy, this could potentially be the unit that is the big Achilles heel for this team. But so far, they've been great. I mean, beyond that week one, I mean, this team, I know they haven't faced any super high-profile offenses, but I have been pleasantly surprised with the play of this secondary. Right now, you know, they're the best team in terms of stopping the pass. So, um, you know, something has to give here. This secondary has looked absolutely awesome so far, um, especially with the emergence of Julian Blackman, uh, you know, third-round pick this year. And then, you know, kind of the revival of a Xavier Rhodes. Rocky Sen looked like he had a pretty good, nice game after being out for the last couple weeks. And, you know, TJ Carey even. You know, there's so many guys. You know, Kenny Moore. I want to get your take overall on this secondary so far. Yeah, I'll admit. I mean, I'll, I'll start where you started. I, I had egg on my face when I talked about, uh, you know, talking about the secondary from the beginning of the season. I really thought that might be the liability uh, of the unit. I particularly was questioning Xavier Rhodes, so I'll start there. He has been excellent outside of game one. And game, the first game, too, if, if, you, if you look at the mistakes, and I did, I wrote about him, I highlighted those mistakes. He, uh, they were, a lot of them were just kind of, you know, errors in judgment, miscommunications. It wasn't so much like uh, he just got burned. He just kind of didn't make the right decisions, and, and he's corrected those very quickly uh, and, and been really effective these first three uh, – the next three games, I should say. A couple of interceptions, took one of the house, uh, made a really good play, kind of abandoning uh, his, his man coverage uh, in, in the end zone against the Jets and jumping around, just watching the quarterback's eyes. I think that's what 
the, maybe the, I don't want to call it the genius of Matt Eberflus, but the, the intelligence of Matt Eberflus to know, okay, I have Xavier Rhodes. This guy loves, loves to look at the quarterback's eyes and make plays based on that. He'll gamble. And that, that's, I mean, that'll come back and bite him every once in a while. I think it, bought, it bit him in Jacksonville. It'll probably bite him again against better quarterbacks. Um, but it does, it does, Matt Eberflus has allowed him to say, okay, use your eyes. Use your instincts to make plays on the ball. And he's done that so far this year. And I've been really, really impressed. And before I move on to Rock and TJ and the other guys, let's, not, let's, you know, let's, let's look back at the defensive line and know that you know, when, when Chris Ballard says, hey, the three technique powers this thing, what he means is not just you know, he's got to create havoc on the inside to stop the run. What he means is that everyone's going to benefit from a guy like DeForest Buckner, and especially to me, the secondary, where quarterbacks just don't have as much time to wait and be patient. They get, they get flustered. I think we saw Nick Foles get really flustered with, with pressure on, on, um, on Sunday, and he, had to make, he made some really bad decisions, and the secondary benefits from bad decisions. So that's been a really big thing uh, that the, the defensive line has been able to help out the secondary this year. And therefore, uh, like you said, the questions that we had, maybe, maybe they're not, maybe they're being answered a little bit more by the defensive line. That said, Rockison, I think, has continued the progress he showed in the second half of last season. Everybody remembers that terrible game he had against Denver. But after that, he was hardly penalized. He broke up a bunch of passes. I thought he was really, really good. He, he comes back from the stomach illness that he had, missing two weeks. I thought one of the first play, I, one of the first plays in the game, the Bears decided to test Rockison, and he drives on the ball and knocks it away, showing it, you know, don't, don't throw at me. Like, I, I really like that early in the game. He kind of showed that message of, I'm back, I'm ready. You, don't, you can't throw at me and expect to take advantage of that. T.J. Carey, as you mentioned, was great in the pinch while Rock was out, better on the outside than I expected. The book on him was, he's, you know, he's pretty good on the inside, pretty good tackler, can do some different things as a nickel corner, and he's good Kenny Moore insurance. And then they needed him on the outside and for a couple of games, and he passed the test. I mean, again, they have to face some better competition for me to say, okay, he's a great outside corner or something like that. But, you know, he, did, he was serviceable in the games he needed him to be. And then, yeah, the highlight, of the, the highlight of the secondary, I think the guy, you know, outside of Rhodes maybe, Julian Blackman, has been a revelation so far in his first few games. He's giving he's, – I don't want to lock knock Malik Hooker because Malik Hooker in his rookie year had three picks in his first four games, and everybody thought he was going to be a star. So we're only a few games into Julian Blackman's career. I don't want to go crazy, but I think, you know, maybe that Malik, maybe that knee injury Malik suffered his rookie year just threw him off course. I don't know. What I do know is I'm watching Julian Blackman, and he's giving them what I think everybody hoped Malik Hooker would give them throughout the course of his career. He's playing that ball hawking uh, center field, you know, type, type safety, and, that's help, and they're, it's causing turnovers. He, he knocked the one in the Cardi Willis' hands against Minnesota. He was able, he was there. He was in position when, when Nick Foles overthrew Anthony Miller on Sunday, made the interception there. Uh, he's he's been great at uh, uh, I, I, one of the things that my colleague Danny Starr that drove him crazy uh, was that those intermediate throws over the middle, which is kind of the hole in the cover two. So many of those were completed against the Colts over the past couple of years, and he has done such a good job of erasing those by hitting guys as the ball is getting there, just using his instincts and throwing his body. Which again, you have to be impressed a guy coming off a torn ACL, but throwing his body at big players like Irv Smith, uh, Allen Robinson, and breaking up plays. Um, he has just been outstanding in giving the Colts kind of that, that playmaking ability they haven't had in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly been awesome. And, and Kari Willis, another guy that, you know, I, I love Kari Willis. Um, and it was great to see him get his first career interception a couple weeks ago. So overall, it's crazy to think like the secondary has been a strength when I thought it very much could be a weakness. But certainly been great to see them so far performing super well. So, um, you know, we'll talk the last thing we'll talk about is just the special teams unit. I think it's one of the best in the league. I mean, I've really been impressed uh, with just about everybody on this special teams unit. 
Um, you know, one guy in particular that we'll talk about, um, because all the other guys, we kind of had an idea of what they would be, but Rodrigo Blankenship, um, I think he's been very good so far. I, I've been very impressed from the rookie out of Georgia, undrafted free agent, signed by the Colts, and, and beat out Chase McLaughlin for that spot. I thought he's been excellent so far. I mean, yeah, he's had a couple, you know, biffs, kind of, you know, chip shot misses and stuff like that, but overall, I thought he's had, uh, you know, he said he's made a lot of nice comeback kicks after that. And I thought he's been in a really nice place mentally, even after missing a kick. Um, I'm curious overall, Jim, your thoughts on Rodrigo Blankenship um, and the rest of the special teams unit. Yeah. I mean, I thought you make a great point. He's had a couple of bad misses just because they're, sh- they're from short, not because of the, you know, the context of the game. Fortunately for him, the misses that he's had haven't really been, um, you know, huge, huge, you know, backbreaking misses, kind of like what we saw last year with some of the Vinatieri ones. But to your point, He's bounced back, and I and that's that's huge for a rookie's confidence after they miss and they they're able to come back, shake it off, and make kicks. I mean, I think that's one of the main things you want to see in a rookie kicker. And and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think I have this right though. He's what 12 or 14 on field goals and uh, a perfect on his extra points so far this year, I believe. And yeah. so two missed kicks for a rookie through the first quarter of the season. Again, you you like him to make those shorter kicks, but. You know, I went back and looked at one point at, at some of the guys, Will Lutz, Robbie Gold, some kickers that, that have been with their teams for a long time, and Will Lutz's case, or, you know, to me, considered one of the best kickers of his, of his era in Robbie Gold. Um, and, and those guys missed six, seven, eight kicks in their rookie season. Rookies, rookie kickers aren't perfect. I think sometimes we expect, you know, we all want kickers to just make their kicks, do their jobs, that all, that, you know. And so you got to give Blankenship a little, lee- a little leeway, a little leash, I guess is probably a better way to put it. And, and again, on Sunday, this is a guy that, that they pretty much relied on after after the first touchdown pass to Mola Alicante was all Blankenship, and they count, and he made everything. So, uh, I, you know, it, one almost hit the post, and sometimes it seems like he's aiming for him. But um, but I, I honestly think that he's, he's taking the steps in the right direction. He's having a really good uh, rookie season, and it gives you a lot of reason to think he can be the kicker long term. And then to answer the other part of your question, um, yeah, I think Bubba Ventrone has done an incredible job with this unit. Uh, uh, Rigoberto Sanchez is like a weapon at punter right now. He had one touchback so far this year. He's great at pinning the ball or getting at least getting it to bounce within the, in the, the five to ten yard line and letting his guys make the play. Uh, he's incredible on kickoff. Uh, he's not just, you know, sometimes they'll do touchbacks if they want him, but occasionally he'll, he'll take it pretty sky high and give his team time to get down there or kick it angled and, and, and you know, set up his, you know, the coverage units so they could make the play. They shut down a guy like Coriel Patterson, who, you know, the Colts said all week is one of the best returners in football. I mean, he's just been incredibly good uh, at his job. And it kind of, you know, those things tend to go unnoticed because, you know, he's the, he's the punter, but he's been really great. And then, um, you know, I guess you have to, you have to mention Jordan Glasgow. This is a guy that, you know, he's a sixth-round pick. I think, you know, he was drafted to be a special teams ace. That's one of those things where, you know, most most – you don't usually draft special teams aces sometimes. I guess you get those in undrafted free agency or, you know, you draft somebody, he becomes a special teams ace. Um, but they drafted Jordan Glasgow to be a special team star. And he's leading the team in special teams tackles and blocks a punt. Uh, so that's a really great pick for, for, for Chris Ballard so far. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to see him get a blocked punt this last week for sure. Um, Okay, so last thing I'm curious about. So through four, we- through four weeks now, the Indianapolis Colts obviously are three and one. What grade overall as a team would you give this team, this Indianapolis three and one team, through four weeks, Jim? I'm gonna go B plus. And 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 that scene is maybe harsh, I guess. I don't know, maybe it doesn't seem harsh, but it, I, I'm gonna say B plus. The only reason I'm not giving him an A is because I want to see him beat better competition. 
I, I, mm-hmm. I, again, the Jets, the Jets are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Minnesota has played better the last couple of games, uh, so maybe that's not as uh, as good, bad of a win, I guess is the way you'd say it, as as it looked at the time. Um, and then, yeah, I, again, the Bears, the Bears were three and zero, but they were kind of a rough three and zero. They came comebacks against Detroit and comebacks against Atlanta, who. I'm pretty sure you, me, and nine other guys can make Mount to come back against Atlanta if we wanted to. Um, so I, I just, yeah, I, I wasn't, I'm not totally convinced by a Bears win, though. Again, in Soldier Field, and they and they beat him handily, so it's hard to punish them for that for that kind of thing. I just, I kind of want to see him beat a team again. Cleveland is again, it's weird to say the Cleveland Browns I actually think are a real test, uh, just because of what they can do on the in the ground, and and offensively they've been one of the best teams in football. Defensively, they have some question marks, so I don't even say they're a complete team by any means. This isn't the Chiefs we're talking about, um, but they are—they are, they are a, a test, and they are going to be a, a, a better test, I think, than anybody the Colts have played. So I'll say B plus solely because uh, you know, again, a factor outside of the Colts' control, the schedule. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Jim, for coming on, man, discussing the first quarter of the Indianapolis Colts season. Hopefully, um, when we come back and look at the second quarter and a few games. The Colts will still have a winning record. Um, you know, that's the hope, obviously. So we'll see what happens. But thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Uh-huh.